From PRX and Transom, this is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. Hey there, Rob Rosenthal here. I'm the producer of How Sound. I also teach the Transom Story Workshops. That includes Transom's nine-week workshops on Cape Cod, as well as one-week traveling workshops around the country. At the week-long workshops, the goal is to crank out a story in a week. It's lightning fast. Students produce a four-and-a-half-minute profile on someone interesting, and they leave with an understanding of best practices and a system for producing a quality story again and again. Now, often, the stories students produce during the week are rough around the edges, which is fine, of course. We only have a week together. But from time to time, in fact, I'm surprised at how often the stories turn out really good. Sure, they're a little bumpy, but good. I've taught a couple of one-week workshops already this summer, and I have a slew of stories I think you'd like to hear, but I winnowed it down to three. I'll start with this piece from Holly Kirkpatrick. Holly just completed a traveling workshop at PRX's podcast garage near Boston. Holly produced a story about a musician, which in hindsight may not have been the best choice because Holly told me she initially had no instinct for how to use music in a piece. When should music begin? When should music end? How do you time the song with narration and interview tape? Put another way, she had no idea how to compose the piece. Yeah, well, as you'll hear, Holly figured it out. Yesterday was day 12 for Chelsea Spear. I did a song called The Eyes. I was thinking about The Handmaid's Tale, and I was thinking about how the secret police are called The Eyes, and I figured, okay, I'm just going to go for that. Chelsea shows me a video she posted of The Eyes. So I'm a little embarrassed by this recording for obvious reasons. It's just Chelsea and her ukulele. She's wearing a dinosaur print dress, blue rim sunglasses, and has flowers in her hair. I hear all of the mistakes. I hear all of the missed notes and all of the places where my hand wanted to make one chord shape, even though I was not supposed to be playing that chord at that time. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of creative people will look at what they're making and will see the flaws. Chelsea started playing ukulele four years ago. It's the only instrument she's ever played. Right now, Chelsea's trying to write 100 original ukulele songs in 100 days as part of a social media challenge. The Handmaid's Tale song was today's entry. Day 11 was a song about the former investigator in the Golden State Killer case. Day 10 was inspired by an article on soda jerk slang. Why do you write such weird songs? (laughs) Are, Are they really that weird? How would you describe your songs then if you wouldn't use the word weird? Um, idiosyncratic, which I guess is a is a really nice way of saying weird. Chelsea's self-employed. Her contracts usually last two to six months. It means that she's always changing workplaces and starting something new, which can be demanding. For Chelsea, writing a song each day for the challenge acts as a stress buster. When you get home and it's time to write, after that day at work, how does that feel? It feels good. It feels like a release. It feels like there are so many things I haven't said today, so I'm just going to find a way to say them in three minutes. Her ukulele journey started by chance. It was Christmas. She went to a Yankee swap where people exchanged secret gifts. Initially, Chelsea unwrapped a $20 stop and shop gift card. 
And I was looking at it and I was thinking, this is great. I'm going to be able to buy so much ramen with this. And um, the next person in line got the ukulele and took the stop and shop card away from me and left me with the ukulele. And I'm looking at it going, what am I going to do with this? The answer is nothing, at least not for a while. That ukulele sat gathering dust on Chelsea's apartment floor for six years. Then she discovered the Mexican musician Carla Morrison, who plays the uke, and Chelsea was taken with her. Not just for the uke, but for a lot of different things, she became one of, you know, she became the queen of my heart. Around the same time, Chelsea started another short-term job that she was finding tough. She needed a creative outlet. Inspired by Carla Morrison, she brushed the dust off the uke and decided to learn how to play. And I set the first of my ukulele goals, which was to post a cover song a week for a year on my YouTube channel. Fifty-two cover songs later, she completed that first goal. That was three years ago. And every year since, Chelsea has set herself a different ukulele challenge. Year two, she started busking. She got a license and busked every MBTA stop around Boston. I did all 56 stops. It worked out to about a stop and a half a week. Year three, she recorded a cover version of an album by Australian singer Alex Leahy. And that was my way of learning GarageBand. And now, year four, the 100 Songs in 100 Days Challenge. She's been playing the ukulele longer than she's worked in most jobs. It's a constant in a life where she's always the new girl. If I'm writing, I'm not thinking about being lonely. I'm just thinking about the task at hand and I'm thinking about what I want to say and um, or what I'm doing. But when I'm alone and I'm not doing anything, it just it feels like being hungry. Like it feels like your soul is hungry. And that's the other reason Chelsea has dived so deeply into ukulele playing. She said that through these challenges, she's connected with more people. One day when she was out busking, a woman told her she liked her shirt. They started talking and have kept in touch since. I feel very lonely in life and, I, and I'm making, I feel like I'm making music and I'm making art to try to reach out to other people who are like me and say, hey, I know how you feel. I feel pretty alone too. Let's, let's hang out and be alone together. Yep. All right, that sounds better. Chelsea doesn't know where she'll be working this time next year or what she'll be doing. But she does know that when she gets home from work today, she'll sit down at her kitchen table and start writing Song 13. For the Transom Travelling Workshop at the Podcast Garage, I'm Holly Kirkpatrick. That's good, right? Solid use of scoring, I'd say, especially for her first time producing a piece about music. Holly says she got one indispensable piece of advice from David Weinberg, who was my teaching assistant at the workshop. David said, when producing a story about a musician, ask them to play a song or two without singing. That way, lyrics and singing don't get in the way when you use the music underneath narration and interview tape. That's really great advice. All right, here's another story. Although I'm not quite sure it's a story in the strict sense of the word, it's more like, well... I'll let you decide what it is. Rami Schur produced this piece at a transom workshop in Michigan. When Dan Nichols makes a mistake, he doesn't throw it away. He keeps it. In fact, Dan puts his mistakes on display. I hang them on a the wall. They're my education. 
Lining the walls are twisted hooks, fishing spears, forks, axes, shovels. Most of it's rusted, some of it's falling apart. But all of it helped Dan get better at his craft. He's a blacksmith, owner and operator of Black Rock Forge in Travis City. He's been at it for about 30 years. There's more to blacksmithing than one could even imagine, because you never quit learning. You learn every day from your mistakes, from others' mistakes. When you're done learning, you're done. <laughs> That's the way it works. Don't, don't get your toes under there. Dan is old school. He has long grey hair tied up in a ponytail, wears silver-rimmed glasses, smokes half a pack of cigarettes while I'm there. I tell him he should take a seat while we chat. Get comfortable. He stands the entire time one hand resting on his anvil, or fiddling with his favourite hammer. That's his comfortable. Would you consider yourself a master? I don't know. I think a master is determined by your peers, as opposed to a structure that you do this, you do that, and then you're a master. And what do your peers say about you? They say I'm a master. He says he gets good business. Most of Dan's jobs are making custom railings for buildings and houses. He likes using wrought iron for the railings. Says it makes them elegant. Just the grace you can put into the curves. You can make it flow, because a, ra- a railing is a ribbon to another place that you put your hand on and go from one place to another. Dan doesn't have a cell phone or a website. He gets clients by word of mouth. He's proud of his reputation. His workshop's strangely peaceful. When he's not using his tools, it's totally silent. It feels like we're the only people for miles. Does it ever get lonely up here? Lonely? Not really. Because my fire is my iron mistress. And she does me good. You want to see a fire? I'm making a spatula to turn your pancakes and scrape your pans and that type of thing. Yep. (laughs) Just hammer it out. You gotta know what the metal's gonna do, what direction it's gonna go. How do you know? Experience. People ask me how long it takes to make a hook. I say, uh, five minutes and 30 years. I don't work every day. I don't work any day, because it's not work. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Hard joy, hot joy, but it's joy. But he's not sure blacksmithing has a future. It's a dying art, and uh, I would hope it stays alive. I don't know what to do with this place after I croak, but it'd be nice if somebody took it over. It's got to go on. Too much is lost in modern technology. When our history is disappearing, we ought to keep some of that alive. And that's what you're doing here? That's what I'm doing here. (coughs) Well, I'm 72 now, and I'm in pretty good shape for a 72-year-old. So I'll keep going. A little slower, but I'll keep going. Because it's my life. Dan finishes showing me around his forge. He shows me the rest of his tools and the railings he's working on, 
He shows me the robin that's built a nest right outside his front door. He tries not to use that door anymore, in case she gets upset and flies away. Then he spots the case of blue Canadian Pilsner in the middle of his workbench. Here's the end of the day. <laughs> Is that how you finish every day? That's how I finish every day. For Interlochen Public Radio, I'm Rami Sher. See what I mean? It's not exactly a story. It's more like a mood, a feeling. The piece takes its time, and Rami cleverly braided sparse narration with sounds and music and quotes. And oh, those quotes. It doesn't hurt that Rami found a blacksmith who speaks poetry. Like that line, a railing is a ribbon to another place. Genius, right? Rami told me after her interview with Dan, she immediately took stock of what stood out to her and made note of the good stuff. In doing so, she discovered she was especially drawn to Dan's poetic one-liners. She was also charmed by his laughter and moments when he paused and was thoughtful. So she picked all of those out while logging her tape. Then she says her task was to string together those choice moments with the active tape of Dan starting a fire and then working the metal and so on. Nicely done, really. This is How Sound. I'm Rob Rosenthal, and on this episode, I'm featuring student stories recently produced during Transom's one-week workshops. Rami's story was recorded for a workshop at Interlochen Public Radio and the Interlochen School for the Arts in Michigan. Next, another piece from the podcast garage. This one by Ivan Ruiz Knott. Ivan says he struggled with a classic issue that producers face. How long can you tease the listener before you explain what's happening? Here's what I mean. Some of the visuals in Ivan's story are complicated. They're unusual. On one hand, leaving a listener wondering, huh, what's that about, can be a useful narrative tool Ivan can put to use. But at some point, the listener's curiosity can segue into confusion and disorientation. Where is that point? How do you know? And when you finally do explain, how much can you leave to the listener's imagination? Unfortunately, there's no one answer. Here's what Ivan tried out. All right, saddle up. This is my first mission. I'm new to space travel, and I'm told it can be dangerous. Basically, he's going to be making sure that nothing happens to you. Okay. You can get sucked out of airlocks. You can get Bananarama, which you should look up. That's Rocket. Uh, I am a pilot of Skull. I ride a spaceship. He's talking about a bicycle. We're riding bicycles. But Skull, S-C-U-L, is a funk-fueled, sci-fi-themed bicycle chopper gang with its own terminology. So, bicycles are spaceships. I love yelling starboard and port for right and left. Hills are gravity wells. I think sandworm is a good one. That's a big double bus. The ones with the stretchy part in the middle of it. Wheels are thrusters. And music is life support. I think HARV is probably my favorite. It stands for High Altitude Reconnaissance Vehicle, and that's what the tall bikes are. They're HARVs. And that is what my bike 88 is. Rocket built his bike a few years ago, and it took him almost a year to finish. It's built out of two Hollywood Schwinn frames, one welded on top of the other. He named it 88 after the Oldsmobile Rocket 88 his grandfather's favorite classic car. The full fleet includes over a hundred custom-made spaceships. There are 13 ships on tonight's mission. One of them has a long pole coming out of the front. It's got a disco ball attached to the end. 
Three of them are harves. One of those is rigged with speakers for blasting funk, and all of the ships have colorful lights. It's glowing, groovy, and slow-moving, like a utopian version of Mad Max. Skunk, the fleet admiral, started Skull in 1996, and every Saturday night, April through October, Skull launches missions from its base in Somerville. You can earn points on missions by high-fiving civilians and riding over cups. Rocket's civilian name is Jacob LaRocca. He's 28. By day, he's an electrical engineer. And by night, he makes prop weapons and works on spaceships. My grandfather really encouraged me to make things with my hands. I have ADHD, so I've always fidgeted a lot, and it's kind of an outlet for me. Growing up, my dad taught me woodworking. Um, My mom taught me a little bit of sewing. I learned how to work on antique cars with my grandfather. Everyone who joins Skull has to pick a gang name. So when Jacob LaRocca joined, he wanted something that fit with his identity as a maker. He had been thinking of Q, like from James Bond, but he had recently seen Guardians of the Galaxy and really liked the character of Rocket Raccoon, a snarky weapons expert. When I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I went, I'm Rocket. I don't care what people say, I'm Rocket. More people call me Rocket now than call me by my real name. I was never really that great at riding bikes. And for a while, I was terrified of joining Skull because of that fact. That was four years ago. Took me a couple rides to kind of loosen up. Um, And then I sort of moved up until I gathered the nerve to uh, try a Harv one night. And then I fell in love with that and never went back. Can you take us in two loops through Davis and then stop in Davis to give her some time to walk back? Tonight is Rocket's 33rd mission. Some of the missions he's been on have involved pinatas, scavenger hunts, dance parties, really heavy rain, and riding until dawn. Rocket explains tonight's mission to a civilian named Melanie while we're on shore leave at Davis Square. We're trying to get to a made-up place. So the, the whole idea of Skull is that there is a mission. So the mission tonight is to ask people for directions to a place. Oh my god! And if somebody gives us directions, we have to follow them. <laughs> Radmax, our mission leader for tonight, asks some other civilians for directions. We're trying to look for this thing. It's like a robot factory. Um, do you know where we could find like something similar to that? I think I would start at MIT, and okay. then they'll send you over to Home Depot. Okay. MIT is doing the The day after Rocket completed his ship, before he gave it a name, he got news that his grandfather had passed away. That night was a skull ride. I had to make the decision if I was going to go home and be sad at home alone, or if I wanted to go on a ride with all of my gangmates and have them swore me. The mission that night took Skull to Revere Beach. It was on that mission that he christened his ship 88. And while they were there, on a Saturday night, light years from home, they held a memorial service for Rocket's grandfather. Before he passed away, he had shown me his high school yearbook. There were hundreds of notes in this yearbook, and the name that everyone called him was Radar. So basically, we essentially made him an honorary Skull member, and we all kind of sat around. I told stories, and other people told stories of their grandparents, and it was a lot of fun. 
Rocket's been putting some more work into 88 lately. He's thinking of painting it a glossy navy blue, maybe adding some chrome trim and pinstripes. But for now, he's on a mission with friends. For the Transom Traveling Workshop in Alston, I'm Ivan Ruiznot. There you have it, a few stories from recent Transom Traveling Workshops. Our current slate of traveling workshops are full, but we're assembling a few for next winter. They aren't set in stone yet, but we may hold workshops in Denver, Nashville, Seattle, and Santa Fe. And if you'd like to be kept up to date, write us at info at transom.org. We'll put you on our mailing list. On upcoming episodes of How Sound, we'll listen to one of my favorite openings to a radio doc in a long time. I'll drop a hint. It's about the song, Louie Louie. I can't wait to share it with you. And I'll take you behind the scenes with the producer of Missing and Murdered. It's an incredibly important podcast from the CBC about the death or disappearance of indigenous women in the country. It's stunning. All that and probably some student stories from the most recent Transom nine-week workshop on Cape Cod in future episodes of How Sound. I send my ever-growing gratitude to John Barth of PRX and WCAI in Woods Hole, the radio center of the universe. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling from PRX and Transom. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening.